Acts chapter number 27, and we'll read here in just a few moments. It was 1943, and Ruth Jones was standing at her kitchen sink with worry across her face. She had her apron on. The little children were playing in the living room. She was a pastor's wife in Pennsylvania, a mother of five. She was distressed by the headlines of her local Pittsburgh newspaper. She saw that World War II, <clears throat> the casualty list, and uh, she saw how long it was and knew that the Allies were making very slow progress across the boot of Italy. Supplies were rationed at home and everybody was living under incredible strain, stress, and pressure. She had about all that she could take. She was overwhelmed. She just put the paper down and went into the living room and sat down in her chair and opened her Bible and it fell open to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. She pondered the opening words as she read these words, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Words began to pour from her heart, and she uh, got out an old pencil and began to scratch some things down on a scratch pad that was laying beside her. There was a clock in the room that would chime those old Westminster chimes, and she didn't realize it at the time, but later on realized that the tune of the song of the words that she was putting together and humming as she wrote was the tune that came from the chords that came from that clock. And these were the words that she wrote after reading what was going on in those days in World War II. She wrote these words, in times like these, Amen. we need a savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. She continued to write, in times like these, we need the Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle, be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. She continued to write, just flowing from her heart, this rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, God's only son. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. I have a question tonight. Have you ever been in times like these? Daddy, have you ever gone to work thinking everything was settled and okay? And it would be a normal day, but everything fell apart? Teenager in the room or listening to this message, has anything ever gone wrong? Maybe you've gone wrong, your attitude's gone wrong, your heart's gone wrong, and coldness has set in and you wake up one day to find yourself standing in the place of pressure and strain and trouble and unknown, thinking, in times like these. Mother of little children, as Proverbs 31 says, she shall rejoice in time to come, but that time to come is not yet here, and, and, and it seems like it will never end the pressures and stressors of life and the day, and you find yourself in times like these. 
In America, I believe most Christians are waking up today in times like these and we see our current administration and we see COVID and we see the unknowns and we think, will it ever end? Will things ever be normal again? Can we ever have revival again? Can we ever have hope again? Will there ever be a bright tomorrow again? Will God ever work again? I believe that tonight we need to go to the Apostle Paul who found himself in times like these. And we need to sit down and see what we need to do in times like these. Look at Acts chapter number 27, and you're going to find one of many times that Paul found himself in times like these. The Bible says in verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Jump down to verse 9. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. Verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Verse 13 says, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat. Jump to verse 20, Acts 27. And when neither the sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God." that it shall be even as it was told me. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you, take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. Verse 41 says, And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first in the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship, 
And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Certainly Paul found himself in times like these. It's easy for me as a young man to read the Bible like this and kind of just browse over it and run past it and not think of the Apostle Paul in the deep blue sea, literally having been starving, having been prison, in prison, having been beaten, now the ship having uh, wrecked and most people giving up. But yet Paul did not give up because Paul had some things tucked into his heart in times like these. Our lives are like the open seas far too often. Calm and pleasant one day, stormy and tempest-tossed the next. Has your world ever gotten turned upside down? Have you ever met the unexpected? What do you do in times like these? Very quickly tonight, first of all, if you're writing it down, you can write these things down. Number one, in times like these, we need a vision. In times like these, we need a vision. Notice verse number 23 of our text of Acts 27. For there stood by me, Paul said, this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, verse 24, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. I want you to think about the situation that Paul was in when most people would just have grabbed a big old pole and held on and given up on the future. But death always comes when memories of the past supersede the visions of the future. And I am so burdened as a young man for the next generation and even all generations really that in this new day in America, in this new direction in America, in this COVID and post-COVID culture of America that we as Christians have not taken the attitude and the approach of Paul who when he stood before King Agrippa said I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. I might have been thrown in prison for two years. My life might have been sidetracked for two years. I might have not could have got out for two years but the vision still stays in front of me that I have a God that I serve. I have hope for the future. I have a purpose. I have a mission. I have a calling and I'm not going to give up. And I'm going to tell you something, my generation and teenagers and children and my little seven children, if they do not see a generation of people on a ship that is in the tempest-tossed waves, on a ship that is in the midst of a storm, and they still do not see Christians that are excited about the work of God, the ways of God, the calling of God, the future from God, then we are going to sit down as American Christians and do what they've done in Europe and around the world and say, God can't when God can. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? God can. And that's exactly what Paul was trying to say. He was trying to say, look, folks, I know it looks bleak, but you've got to get a vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Parents, get a vision for your children. Ministry workers, get a vision for your ministry. Don't say what has been. Quit living in the glory days. Thank God for the glory days. I'm thankful almost every day of my life. My wife and I are thankful and grateful, and we try to express our gratitude to her parents and her grandparents. Her grandpa has pastored a church over 60 years, and my dad and my mom and the legacy, and and I think my son Aaron is a seventh generation born-again Bible-believing Christian. Seven generations. 
hey, thank God for that. I'm glad for the heritage and the legacy. And let me tell you something in the storm, though not the message tonight, don't give up on the, the heavenly vision. Don't try to get some newfangled way, some new Bible, some new church, some new way of worship. Just stick with the heavenly vision and stay the course and say, I know our ship is falling apart, but we're going to keep God's vision in front of us. He said, I believe God. He said, I'll be brought before Caesar. No, we're all hope has been lost. And he said, yes, but we've got a little problem. We've got a man on board who has not lost vision. It is amazing what can happen in a church if just a small little remnant of people will get a vision. And they'll work at that vision. It comes from the word of God. And they'll see that God can and God wants to and God will. Dr. Terry Angel was a young man who left Hiles Anderson College and came to Washington, Iowa. And married uh, John Christner's daughter, Joyce Christner, which is now Joyce Angel. And they began a life together. And, and they had two little children, Ben and Hannah. And on the back of the office door, right next to the office where I have my office now, there's another little office there. And on the back of the door, every time Pastor Angel would walk out, Brother Terry, as he was known, years and years and years back in the 70s, as he would walk out of those doors, he would read these words, the decisions you make today will affect Ben and Hannah's tomorrow. And can I say that Ben serving in Madagascar with, I think, five or six daughters of his own is a direct result of a man who in the thick of thin things of ministry and the day in and day out never lost a vision that God can and God will and God wants and God wants to save souls and God wants to work in people's lives. I'm talking to a grandma or a grandpa here today and you've watched the way of your grandchild or the way of your married child and your heart is broken and you've lost hope and in your own life you're almost giving up on church because you just say, oh, nobody lives for God anymore. Not so. All hope might seem lost. But let me tell you something. God still is moving and God still is working. And in times like these, yes, during World War II, God still wants his people to have a vision. I think about parents and my parents that kept a vision. And I think about this parable. I love this parable that I read in a book some years ago. And I want you to listen. It's the parable of the family ship or the family cruise. Just listen carefully about a vision in times like these. Every family is a ship with a captain, a crew, and sometimes passengers and cargo. It may be a pleasure liner, a research vessel, a boatload of pilgrims headed to a new city, a mercy ship, a cargo vessel seeking riches, or a stinking old tub hanging around port. There are many ships leaving port, each with a purpose and a destination. All on board are participants, regardless of their degree of their commitment, and their lives are affected by the passage and the destination. No ship is alone. Others are always sailing nearby, and the crew becomes acquainted with many ships and their crews. In each port, there is a mingling and exchange of news and gossip. Every crew member is always weighing the possibilities and deciding if he or she is on the best ship. No ship is an island unto itself. If a captain were to simply anchor offshore to avoid the corruption of society and to prevent his crew members from being tempted to switch ships, the hands would become very discontent. Listen very carefully. The ship must be going somewhere with a meaningful purpose. Otherwise, the crew would not long tolerate the drudgery of their daily duties. 
There is no romance in simply retreating or in seeking one's own survival. The thrill of life is in the conquest of the obstacles of life. Many fathers, captains, are afraid of failure. They're afraid of the times like these. And so they go nowhere and do nothing but to seek to stay afloat just outside of the influence of other ships. The crew of a self-quarantined ship will stand at the rail and longingly watch other ships sail past to destinations unknown. They know that those ships that are going someplace, any place, must certainly be more interesting than the stagnant calm in which they exist. Younger kids will wish for something different, but fear and insecurity will keep them at the rail. However, there will come a day when they think they can swim well enough to risk going overboard to catch a ride on a passing vessel. What will keep kids from jumping ship and booking passage to a different port, don't miss it, is confidence that their ship is going somewhere, sailing to a port that offers tremendous possibilities. You know what? You want to know why I'm standing here preaching tonight? Of course, the grace of God and His saving grace on my life. Thank God for that. But I'm standing here preaching this book, believing this book, not because it's my dad's book or, 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 or my dad's God, but somewhere along the line, I look to a mom and dad and preachers of the gospel and Sunday school teachers and ministry workers, and I saw them going somewhere. I saw them excited and happy and joyful. They weren't sad and gossiping and critical and hunkering down and bunkering down and giving up. They said, though the waves crash and though the storms roll, God is still God and God's going to do something in our life and you stick with God and you're going to be okay, son. And just as a little boy, I just said, hey, I believe that. And I thank God when I look at my little seven children and my wife and soul saved and a work going forward, I say, thank God in times like these of temptation while in Bible college, in times like these of destruction, Encouragement and doubt. I had people in my life that had a vision. Thank God for the Apostle Paul, who when all seemed lost, he would not lose vision. One of the most moving experiences that I ever had in my life, I wish I could uh, go back and do what it, it was the most incredible experience. Dr. Bobby Robertson was a grandfather in the faith to me because he discipled my dad as a teenager before my dad was even married. My dad became his first assistant pastor. And Brother Bobby was the pastor of all my relatives, both sets of grandparents. My grandma, my mama Brown, she sang in the gospel-like choir for 50 years. An incredible testimony, and I got to spend time with Dr. Bobby Robertson as a little boy, and he would treat me like a grandson, and he did my grandparents' funerals, and I would ride in the car and ask him advice. And I flew out to his funeral when he passed away. I remember sitting way back. I just had just about 24 hours to be there. And I just rushed in just, just to say thank you with my presence, just to say thank you to, to, to this great giant of the faith for all those years of ministry. And, and I just sat in the back and something happened that I wasn't ready to. I was there just to, partic- just to watch the funeral, but the Holy Spirit of God moved in my life in a way I'll never forget. People gave testimony and all the bus kids coming through and the people that Brother Bobby loved. By the way, I'm not just saying this. This isn't flattery. Brother John Wilker, Pastor Wilkerson reminds me of Pastor Bobby Robertson. If you knew him, you'll see such great similarities. And man, my heart was touched at how he loved people. 
Then his son-in-law, Jerry Wyatt, got up and uh, Jerry Whiteheart got up and gave the testimony about when he got saved and how Brother Bobby had a vision for little boys and girls and bus kids and the down and outers. He told stories of uh, little shut-ins that were sick and he would take them a box of cereal and sit down and eat cereal with them. He'd run by the pharmacy and bring the medicine and he said he never lost the vision for it all. And he said he saw something that so many put people couldn't see. And this, this uh, Jerry Whitehart invited this singer to come up. And this southern lady got up and told the story. They told the story of when Dr. Bobby Robertson passed away just a few days earlier. How right before he passed away, his pulse picked up and he looked into heaven. And they said he saw what he had been seeing all along. The vision of God, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And then, man, tears began to roll down my cheek. People began to shout and praise God as that lady in her big old southern draw, my friend from North Carolina back here, you know what I'm talking about. And she sang these words, there is an unseen hand to me that leads in ways I cannot see while going through this world of woe. This hand still leads me as I go. And it wasn't a message and it wasn't a conference, but God began to grind down in my heart to say, that's how he could pastor for 60 years and win thousands of people to Christ because he never lost the vision for who God is and what God wants to do. That there is a God who will, if you honor the principle of God, he will honor you. In times like these, we need a vision quickly. Uh, Secondly, in times like these, we see, notice verse 22. In times like these, we need a purpose. Verse 22, and now I exhort you, understand the situation that Paul is in. He says, be of good cheer. Really, Paul? (laughs) Don't you see the mandate that's come down from the governor? Don't you see that in the history of First Baptist Church, we've never had to stay home. We couldn't come to church. Really, Paul, don't you see who uh, this new administration is and all the laws and all the the, the degradation of society and the abomination? Really, Paul, don't you see what's happening around us? He says, be of good cheer, for there shall not be, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Verse 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am. Now, here's the phrase I want you to underline if you underline your Bible, and whom I serve. Wait a minute. Please place yourself in the text. This is the same text that said, and all hope was lost. And in the present tense, the apostle Paul says, whom I serve. Duty. 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 I'm not giving up. I don't care how bleak it looks, how black it looks. I don't care how dark it looks. He says, I have a purpose and I'm not giving up on my purpose. One of my my favorite uh, saints of old, uh, Nate Saint, uh, said this, people who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. And oh, how sad all over Northwest Indiana and really every state, every county, every, every little burg around the world, there are purposeless Christians living in homes, big and small, little apartments here, there, everywhere. Some came to go to House Anderson College, but times like these came in their life and they lost vision and then they lost purpose. People are dying and going to hell, that hell you heard about on Sunday morning. Why? 
because we lost purpose. We lost a calling. We lost sight that souls can still be saved. Amen. That marriages can, can still be strengthened. That churches can still have revival. That young people can still, out, uh, still sell out and go for God. And a college can still thrive. And bus routes can still run. The apostle Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind the memories of the past. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the high pri uh, prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thank God that Esther, when she came before the king and found herself in times like these, said, I have a purpose and I've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And if I perish, I perish. Bring it on, old world. I've got a purpose. When Abraham was climbing Mount Moriah to sacrifice his only son, he went on up that mountain and God provided a great miracle. Why? Because he was a God that could be trusted. And Abraham said, because of that, I'm holding to my purpose. When Joseph was rotting in jail, he held to his purpose. When Noah was building the ark, he held to his purpose. When Jonah was drowning in the deep blue sea, God held to Jonah's purpose. Thank God from that, for, for that. When Elijah was doubting God in exhaustion, God still had a purpose for him. When a little boy was standing in the valley facing Goliath, God had a purpose. When David was hiding from Saul in the caves, God had a purpose. When the city was besieged by the Syrians and they said, we're all starving, we're cooking our own children, there's no hope. God had a purpose. And thank God for Christians that say, though all seems lost, I think that I'll be like Ruth Jones and I'll set my newspaper down. I'll stop my scrolling my feed. I'll put away that which is dark and discouraging and damning and doubtful. And I'll open up the precious word of God and I'll reignite and revive my purpose in times like these. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. Very quickly, we see that we need a vision. Secondly, we need a purpose in times like these. Thirdly, in times like these, we need a voice. We need a voice. This is what we need now more than ever in a time where the voices of God are being shut down, drowned out, and giving up. Notice Notice verse number nine of our text. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. The first voice that we need in times like these is a voice of warning. Oh, Paul was a man of compassion, but his convictions were enrobed in compassion, and he carried forth his conviction even in a time when all seemed lost. He lifted up his voice in warning, and he said in verse 10, he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And if you follow the text as we did... I'm I mean, you, you got to just see Paul's just out there preaching. I mean, the storm's crashing, the ship is breaking apart, and Paul's out there preaching. And we're living in a generation and in a time where we want soothing. 
We're living in a time where we want feelings. We're living where my generation wants to go to a church where the coffee's just right and the teaching's just right and the friendships are just right and the relational things are just right, but there's no voice of warning. I beg of you, don't give up on a church that will stand up and teach line by line, precept upon precept. They won't hide the, 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 the hard things of the Word of God, the pointed things of the Word of God, because in times like these, in 2021, let me tell you something the future is unknown and I believe that it is going to get bleak for America but I have hope and I have vision that God has put us here for such a time like this but the only way that we're going to survive is moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and pastors and preachers and teachers and Christians open their voice and be soul warners with love and with compassion you heard your pastor pleading to you go tell somebody about Jesus because hell is real we need a voice of warning. He said, if you would have listened to me. And yes, parents, you have to have love and compassion to that wayward child. But let me tell you something. Thank God the prodigal son's father didn't go down in the pig pen. And if he would have lived today in the social gospel, new age church world that we have today with soft everything, he would have never come home to the father. We would have taken him a cot and a sandwich and he would have stayed there in the pig pen. But thank God for the words of the father standing true that he's got enough bread to spare, but you're going to have to clean your mess up and you're going to have to come to repent and get to God the Father and he will forgive you and he will love you and he will kill the fatted calf. But thank God there's a voice of warning that played out in that boy's ear. What have I done? He came to himself and saw him living a life of abomination. And the apostle Paul in the midst of this storm was still preaching. He was still preaching. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Crave it, love it, preach your preacher. There will be times where he has to get down into certain things that are unpopular to culture, to society, and maybe even to church. Pray for him. Stand with him. Because we need a voice of warning. Secondly, in times like these, we need a voice of hope. Notice verse 22. I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. This next generation needs to know, look, you go with God, there won't even be a hair lost. Now, Paul didn't get to me soon enough, but I mean, for most of us, not even a hair lost. A voice of hope. Kevin Vest was a bus kid in our church. He still attends our church. He has grandchildren in our church. And one night, my dad got a call from the local uh, police station, and Kevin Vest was there. There had been some kind of altercation or fight in the family. And the police officer said, we got a little boy, Kevin, here that says, Call Preacher Brown, meaning my dad, many, many years ago. He's a grandpa now. He said, call Preacher Brown. They love us down there. They love us down there. Thank God for a church that still loves bus kids. Thank God for a church that still has hope. Thank God for a church that still loves people and is throwing out the lifeline. Even when the old ship is cracking and breaking and falling apart, I'm talking about our culture and our world and the way of this old world. Thank God there's people with a smile on their face that keeps passing out of track and saying, Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Thank God there's ladies that still teach the little boys and girls that Jesus loves them. Hey, let let me tell you something, what was needed back in the 50s at this great church, what was needed in the 70s when our church was started is more needed today in this whole world is looking for somebody that has a message of hope. Amen. And then Paul gave the voice of worship. 
Notice verse 35, and when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. I believe the reason we get so stressed out, of course, we're feeding ourselves with all the news, which is so anti-God and anti-Bible. I mean, even doing it, soaking our mind on all of that stuff. But the reason why we get so sorted in our mind is we're worshiping our country, though I love our country. We're worshiping our comfortable life instead of saying, do you remember when you were drowning in the sea of sin, going down for the last time when you called upon his name? He reached out his nail-pierced hand and he lifted you out. So remember where you were back then and thank him for where I think oh thank him for where you are now. I think all the apostle Paul was on that ship and he said, "Hey, my ship was going down on the road to Damascus. I was going down to behead some people, but God loved me. And yes, this old ship may seem like it's going down in times like these, but there is a God that I can worship. And when I give thanks to God in the middle of the storm, the blessings of God come flooding in. Keep singing the old songs. Keep walking with God and praying and seeking his face and worshiping him. Let me give you a couple other. My time is up, but in times like these, we need an anchor. He says, I believe God. Faith is our anchor. Paul said, I believe God in our text. Prayer is our anchor. The Bible is our anchor. I say it again, the Bible is our anchor. This blessed old book that I hold in my hand, it's true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it. Now it keeps me from sin. Maybe you are like Ruth Jones, 1943, Civil War. I don't know what your day looks like. I don't know where you've been at work. I don't know what your life looks like. But maybe you're standing there at the kitchen sink of life with the crease stresses across your face, the, the stress creases across your face. And you're thinking, what are we going to do? How do we pay the bills? How do we go forward? Would you just put down the noise and the static of this old world, go over and pick up the word of God? Say, this know also in last days perilous times shall come. But... Be of good cheer, because in times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. We need some Christians that are very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock.